0: Today on Bridges.
1: And I want to say this from day one in the book of Genesis all the way to the book of Revelation, what we see is God's heart for reconciliation. We don't like to be caught in our sins, it's uncomfortable, it's painful. But God is looking for us even if we're in the middle of a sinful mess. He has been looking for you. He has been looking for you through your circumstances, through all of these things, and he has been hoping that we will look up and see that he is God. There are people all around us who need our love, and they need our compassion. Welcome to Bridges. I'm Monica Schmelter. I'm glad that you could join us. Today, as we look into God's Word, we are going to talk about the importance of loving your neighbor. And I'm so glad that all of you could come to WHTN today and be in our studio. We love uh, to have you all here and appreciate you all making the trip. And so we're going to talk about today something that is really important to the heart of God. Like, it's not just a a good thing to do. While it is a good thing to do, it is scripture. Scripture tells us to love your neighbor. So we're going to look at that today and what that would look like for us and how can we obey that scripture. So again, I wanted to look for another modern day story of something that was really happening in current culture that would exemplify loving our neighbor that would exemplify being a good samaritan so once again i picked up my phone and i asked google and i love doing that don't you yeah. Yeah, i love it that you know she even talks back to me <laughs> here this is what i found and really interesting <laughs> she said something about elvis and that that intrigued me i thought elvis okay but it's not that famous elvis but a guy named elvis summers who lives in los angeles and uh he uh, is a true example of showing love your neighbor. If you we've got it up on the screen what Elvis did, you see that he built a tiny house. And you may say, "Well, a tiny house? What he had a homeless neighbor named Smokey who was 60 years old. There's Smokey. And she had been park benches overnight just anywhere and Elvis had compassion. He wanted to obey that scripture love your neighbor and he built her this tiny house for $500 and if you follow his story and I'll show you a little bit of time lapse at the end of it, he's built several tiny houses for homeless people and Smokey no longer has to sleep on park benches and different places. She's got this house, She even when she goes into it at night she can close the door and lock it and sleep in peace and sleep in security So Elvis really acted on the scripture, love your neighbor. It took about 500 of his dollars and time and effort. And let me say this, to really love your neighbor, it will take our time and effort. And we may not be called to build tiny houses. We may not even have those skills, but we can all obey that scripture that says, love your neighbor. And as we show love, as we obey that scripture, love your neighbor, it brings honor to God and it transforms people. And I want to start out by reading scripture out of Mark 12, uh, starting with verse 28 to 31. It says there, one of the teachers of religious law was standing there listening to the debate. He realized that Jesus had answered well. Isn't that wonderful that Jesus always answers well? I love that. Under pressure, under attack, he just, he said what he needed to say. So he asked, of all the commandments, which is the most important? Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only God. And you must love God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. So, again, because God loves us so much, He works to make it really easy for us. In that scripture, He combines and condenses it all down to two things to love God with everything that we've got, and we love Him because He first loved us.
0: What impacts you every day?
1: Loving him is just an honor that we even get to do that, to respond to his gracious love, to his call that he found us because we didn't find God. He says in Scripture that he found us in a barren, barren and desolate land. He's been looking for us from day one. All of you that are watching, whether by Internet or on television, he has been looking for you. He has been looking for you through your circumstances, through all of these things, and he has been hoping... That we will look up and see that He is God. So, scripture says we are to love Him first and foremost. And then it says, love your neighbor. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, you know, I can remember years ago, I used to think, you know, it's easy to love God because He's perfect. My neighbor hmm, requires a little more effort. But then I realized the more that I love God and the more that I want to honor Him. And the more renewed mind that I have, it just starts to get really easy to love your neighbor because we're operating in a supernatural realm. So when we obey the scripture, love your neighbor, it honors God. And I want to say this, from day one in the book of Genesis all the way to the book of Revelation, what we see is God's heart for reconciliation. So when we obey that scripture, love your neighbor, we are exemplifying the heart of God for reconciliation. We're also operating and living in obedience and unity. And the Word of God says that obedience is better than sacrifice. We can look at our lives and think, well, you know, I go to church three times a week. I do my devotions every day, morning, noon, and night, whenever you do them. I give my offerings. I give my tithes, you know, kind of that checklist and Kind of, I'm a good Bible study girl. Well, that's obedience, you know, that that sacrifice sometimes. But it's got to be complete obedience means that we obey that scripture, love your neighbor. It's not just our little checklist of what we think a good little Bible study girl would do. It's that we obey him in all areas. And if you look in the garden, God was looking for Adam. He was looking for reconciliation. Adam wanted to hide. We all do. Sin is ugly, it's uncomfortable, and none of us want to be caught. You even talked to a little two-year-old has got cookie crumbs all around there. Did you take a cookie, Johnny? No. <laughs> <laughs> Evidence is all around there. No, 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 I didn't, I didn't. We don't like to be caught in our sins. It's uncomfortable, it's painful, but God is looking for us even if we're in the middle of a sinful mess. His heart is for reconciliation. Even when Jesus was with the Pharisees, and you know, I've, I've looked at myself, and I've been so judgmental of the Pharisees. And then I can look at my own life, and I can see at times where I've been religious and where I've been judgmental, and when I haven't had the heart of God. And even to the Pharisees, Jesus said, Man, I stretch my arms out to you. What I wanted was to be able to embrace you and to be able to have a relationship with you. His heart is for reconciliation. So when we obey that scripture, love your neighbor, we are exemplifying that heart of reconciliation. You know, I was shocked a few weeks ago when I heard the news about the city of Shelbyville and Murfreesboro. And what I heard was that these nationalist hate groups were coming to hold rallies in the town square of Shelbyville in the morning and Murfreesboro in the afternoon. And you all, I, I don't know exactly why I was shocked, but I was pained to the core. Like, coming to our area, coming to our city, people that are full of hate, and then there was a counter group coming for that. And, you know, as, as I listen to the news, and I do think it's important that we stay informed. I don't overwatch the news because it gets negative. That they were adding like 500 law enforcement people to come out in case these things got out of hand. They were telling people not to go near the square. And I just kept thinking, not in my city, not in my city. Why? You know, I know it's a free country and people have the right to to protest, but it's just so sad when it's for such a bad cause. It pains my heart. And uh, the businesses, got together the business owners and talked about what should we do. And so in the square, they decided to um, put, you know, plywood to put wood up over the windows in case those were to be broken. And I'll tell you what blessed me in the middle of all that mess is that citizens from the city, all over, all different denominations, Baptist, you know, um, Methodist, Church of Christ, non-denominational, came together and prayed and worshiped and people came to those plywood boarded windows and they wrote scriptures and they wrote "We Murfreesboro Loves. It was a loud and a clear message and that blessed my heart. And I saw some good things happen on Facebook as a result of that. And Cheryl Griffin is here today and she's a speaker and an author. And Cheryl, I wanted you to share something that we found on Facebook that
3: was written. Yes, uh, uh, Tara on behalf of Murfreesboro Loves says, We are united against hate, and we are united to love all people. Murfreesboro and Middle Tennessee are united in God's love. Love wins.
1: Amen.
3: And love does win, and love never fails. And when we obey that scripture, love your neighbor,
1: we are honoring God and exemplifying his heart for reconciliation. Shaw, I wanted to ask you just your thoughts on what happened uh, in Shelbyville and
3: Murfreesboro. Uh, because you have some family that lives there. I do. My daughter and son-in-law live in Murfreesboro, so I was very concerned for the area. And I personally felt that Murfreesboro and Shelbyville did an incredible example for the rest of the world to see how they had a choice, they could be a part of the solution or a part of the problem. Mm-hmm. And I felt that they took great steps in being prepared but not being overly anxious. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they opened their arms with love, even to the hate. And yes. then, you know, luckily, you know, they, they didn't, the other people didn't get what they wanted. Mm-hmm. And so they left quietly. They did.
1: And that was the best news ever, yes. that they left
3: Quietly. Yes. There was no damage
1: to any of the businesses. You, it's an incredible example of that scripture love your neighbor. Murfreesboro came together and even showed love to those that were going to come and bring hate and perhaps wreck the town. Because you know how it is when things get out of hand and this group is saying this and this group is saying that. I thought that rally being canceled was answered prayer. That it happened because people came together in unity. And if we could get that vision in our lives of unity, of that I am going to obey that scripture, love your neighbor, whether or not I like the person or I like what they do. And you know how sometimes, and, and I understand what people mean, because you know guys, sometimes the things people do are just quite hateful. And they'll say, well, you know, i got to love the person, but I hate what they do. Well, the Bible does say that God hates sin, but God hates sin in a holy way. Right. When we get into that, I can hate what they do, and it's okay, I can hate what they do. That's not the heart of God, okay? That, that's an ugly, ugly spirit, and that's turning Scripture around. Yes. God hates sin with a holy hate, because it destroys people. He's grieved because of the horrible consequences that happen in our lives when we participate with sin. It's not to get in people's faces and say, well, I love you, but I hate what you do. That is not what that scripture means at all. And if we could come together and obey that scripture, love your neighbor, I believe just like the unity that we saw in Murfreesboro on the rally being canceled, it would set a new standard. You all We are the head and not the tail. We walk in authority, dominion, and purpose on this earth. And we don't have to stand for the hate. We just don't. It's time to heal the hate. It's time to come together and love your neighbor. And so loving your neighbor not only honors God, but it transforms people. It elevates us into a supernatural realm. Everywhere that Jesus went, He transformed people. That was his mission. When he met the blind man, he gave him sight. When he met the man at the pool of Bethesda, he told him, get your mat up and walk. When he ministered to the 5,000, he noticed that they were tired and hungry. And he said to the disciples, get them something to eat. And the disciples were confused. But you know, he gave them chances and they got it. And you know, it's like that with us. He gives us chances and we're going to get it. If we keep wanting to obey and we keep purposing to obey, we're going to get it. And so if we understand that today in our lives, no matter what our circumstances look like, we are here on earth with a divine mission. And that divine mission is to love God first and to obey that scripture to love your neighbor. And our neighbors are everybody. Remember how they wanted to have that conversation with, you know, well, who is my neighbor? Well, if you've got to ask that question... There's something wrong in our heart. Do you know what I'm saying? Well, like exactly who do I have to love and mm, what would that look like? That's showing that we've got some growing to do in our heart. We are to obey that scripture, love your neighbor. That means everybody. That means the challenging people at work. You guys ever had challenging people at work? You ever had somebody you just sort of want to avoid asking them to do that job or for that information because they will take 1,500 hours to tell you why they can't do it. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, my goodness, you could have done that 10 times by now. Could you please, pretty please? Who knew that when we grew up to be adults, we were going to be dealing with this? I mean, I remember saying to my parents, well, you know, once I graduate from college, you know, then I'll just have a job. I'll just be working and everything will be easy. I wasn't very smart, was I? (laughs) I had no idea that when you grow up and you go into the workplace, you deal with all the same things as in school, except amplified because everybody's an adult and because people get paychecks and you don't want people to get ahead of you and you don't want them to get a better job and we don't want to be passed over. You know, we all have these issues. We can pretend like we don't, but we are people. And we deal with these things in life in a fallen world. And in the middle of all that, he says, love your neighbor. And he doesn't ever ask us to do anything that we cannot do. We may need his help, and we may start out white-knuckling it all the way. You know what I mean when I say that? "Uh, I don't know what this looks like. I don't know what this is supposed to do. but he helps us. And sometimes that obeying that scripture, love your neighbor, starts with prayer. Pray for your neighbor. If you've got a challenging person at work, if you've got a challenging person at church, and you know it happens at church too, right? You just know there are certain people at church you don't want them to call your phone. (laughs) You get a text from them and you think, oh, I want to deal with that later. Because they can sit through the whole same service that you did, and you were nothing but blessed and happy and excited, and they were mad. I talked to a lady when she was mad because the offering was taken at the wrong time. I was wondering when the right time was, like, I didn't know. But I thought, you know, kind of, if that's the biggest problem that we have, right, we can just skip on over it. And yet, there's still that scripture that I need to obey that says, love your neighbor. Even the ones who want the offering taken at the right time. We don't know when the right time is. I guess when they think. So it's like, I don't know. But we all deal with all of this stuff. And in the middle of it is that biblical command that says, love your neighbor. That we should never forget that the world knows that we are his disciples by our love for one another. And that love never fails. And that God is love. And that he says we're to be patient with one another. We're to be long-suffering. We are to make allowances for each other's faults. Like that means like quirks. You know what I'm saying? We all have our own special little things that we do and that we feel are right. We want other people to do. And yet he says to love your neighbor. And you know, we may ask, what can I do to love my neighbor? God will show us what we can do. It may not all be like Elvis Summers. And I want us to give you a look at what Elvis Summers did just with a time lapse with this tiny house because I think it's an outstanding example of somebody seeing a problem and deciding to do something about it. You know, we can look at homeless people and think, well, you know, you need to get a job. It's hard to get one when you don't have an address.
0: What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives.
2: Tune in for inspiring stories and interviews, actionable tips, and methods to do both home and work life, because here, we believe you can do all things, just not all at once.
1: It's maybe hard to get one when you don't have skills and you haven't worked in a long time, but I want us to look at this time-lapse of Elvis Summers and what he did with this tiny house, and this is just a time-lapse. Of what he put together to give this woman a place to live and he said it cost him about five hundred dollars and to date he's made about 43 tiny houses for homeless people he even had a problem with the city and they were going to take some of the houses from him and then he found that if he put them on wheels it's not illegal for them to they can be at a location for 72 hours before they have to be moved to another place So he really made a difference. This is Smokey. And just think of the relief that she feels to be able to have this tiny house. And she hung that home sweet home, and it just warmed my heart that some guy named Elvis Summers said, I want to obey the Bible, and I want to love your neighbor. And Smokey was somebody that he talked to, and now she's got a home. And 40-some other people also do. And again, we may not be called to do that, but we're all called to do something. There's something for all of us to do. And, not, you know, Elvis could have looked at Smokey and thought, well, you know, lady, you just, don't you have any family? Don't you, need, you know? Um, but he just decided to do something about it. And you all, there are people all around us who need our love. And they need our compassion. And usually those situations don't present themselves like in the best, most convenient way. It's usually inconvenient. And it's usually uncomfortable. And sometimes it is with the mouthy person that we just really would rather stay away from. And yet there's that biblical command to love your neighbor. We can all do something. And I ask you to pray and say, God, what is it that you would have me to do to obey that scripture, love your neighbor? Murfreesboro did it when they showed Murfreesboro loves. Murfreesboro responded to a challenging threat in the community with love, and love overcame that evil. So look at your lives, listen to your heart, listen to what God says to you, and ask him, what is it that you want me to do? to show love to my neighbor because, God, I want to do it. Like, I want to be the light. I want to be the salt. God wants us to come together as his people and obey that scripture that says, love your neighbor. We're going to take a short break. And when we come back, Jennifer McGill is going to talk to someone from our audience about how we can show love to our neighbor.
3: Would you like to be a part of a Bridges Studio Audience production? Visit monicasmelter.com slash calendar to sign up.
0: You can purchase a copy of today's show for $15. Call us at 615 754 0039 or send a check to the address on your screen. Be sure to mention the program number.
4: Welcome back to Bridges. I'm Jennifer McGill, and I am joined by Walisa. It's good to see you today. Now, you've been pondering a lot about the practical application of loving your neighbor. So tell us a little bit about what you've been thinking.
2: Well, I uh, studied that in Romans 5.5. It says that the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. So because it's in there, I realized that it's a choice. It's a choice to, to love. It's not a feeling or emotion. And, you know, as I kept studying, I I read in Galatians where in the gifts of the spirit, it says, love is patient, love is kind. So I started with just those two things. And I thought, what could I do to be more kind to people? Well, I could, you know, if I'm in line somewhere at Walmart, I could let my neighbor who's in the back of the line go before me. Or if I'm in a restaurant and the server is working real hard to serve me. I could give them a especially good tip. You know, I think that's important as a Christian to do that. Uh when we're on the road, you know, we were talking about road rage earlier, uh we could just choose to be patient and let people out when they need to to get in in the road with us or, or not, you know, uh get angry when they make a mistake because we all make mistakes. And I think just showing more kindness, more patience, our acts of love in and of themselves.
4: Now, I loved what Monica was saying earlier about how God's been looking for us. You know, long before we were born, He's been loving on us forever, and He meets each and every one of us where we are. Now, when you look at someone who maybe is a challenge that day for you, how can we practically apply that idea that God feels so much for
2: them just like He does for us? Well, um, by showing mercy, by showing... Mercy and um, being slow to anger and, and just being patient because God's long-suffering. It takes practice, obviously. Uh, my dad's in a nursing home right now, and there are caregivers that aren't always nice to, you know, your loved one. So ironically, this scripture that we talked about earlier about the uh, golden rule, I put that scripture up on, my, on the bulletin board in my dad's room. And instead of confronting the caregiver... The Lord told me, start praying for everyone that comes in contact with my father. I prayed for every nurse. I prayed for every caregiver. And I put that scripture on the wall to make them accountable. And the whole atmosphere changed. And that person started pouring their heart out to me. Obviously, they were hurting and just needed somebody to show them compassion and to listen to them. So I've seen lives transform just from putting a scripture up.
4: And I love how that's, that's a huge example of love wins, right? If, can you tell us another, another way that you've seen love wins? Like if you could see a picture, uh, just, a, just a portrait of life. Show me, show us, describe to us something that resembles love wins to you that you love seeing in the world.
2: Well, um, I love seeing people choosing to not return evil for evil. And right now, there's a lot of that going on. We see it all over social media so much that sometimes I have to just turn it off. But um, I choose myself, you know, where the nationalists and different hate groups are concerned. I choose to pray for them. We have to pray that laborers get sent across their path to change and transform them. And that's showing the love of God. We, we can't return evil for evil. We have to be the change. That's right. And love wins that way.
4: And I found that when I've posted on social media recently about a tragedy and I try to inject prayer into that mindset of people, some people think, well, where is there opportunity for love to win in this situation? It's the situation itself can be an opportunity for love to win. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for joining us today at Bridges. Uh, If you would like to reach out via the blog that's offered on MonicaSchmelter.com, you can submit some more ideas on how we can love our neighbor. There's also today's study guide available at MonicaSchmelter.com, as well as videos to help you discover your most beautiful life one biblical truth at a time. Thanks again for joining us today on Bridges. Have a great one.
1: The blood of Christ is the only cure. It gets down to the root of every single thing that ails us. There's not an addiction. There's not a generational curse. There's not any root of sin. There's nothing that the blood of Jesus cannot cleanse.
0: Visit monicaschmelter.com to schedule Monica to speak at your event.